Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Benjamin R. Harrison, half of your hosting team for the evening. And the other third is me, Adam Pranica. <laughs> Not sure how that math works out, but I trust you. <laughs> I scored almost perfect on the verbal part of my SATs, and I almost failed the math and science part of the SATs. Really? <laughs> like, I, it was so lopsided. That's so shocking. surprising to me, Adam. I still scored like an 1100 on my SAT, <laughs> but the math part was an atrocity. Wow. Adam, that is, uh, that is really disappointing. I thought I was uh, making this podcast with a sharper tack, yeah. but... Uh, Let's uh, let's peanut butter over this embarrassing admission of yours by opening some Star Trek baseball cards. What do you say? I say yes. The game is a five-card stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Order this and just the cards there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Ben, I have a proposition for you. Um, Lay it on uh, me, buddy. I, I propose we play a little game of Star Trek card gluttony. <laughs> and... Ah. And... Not stop opening packs until we each get an autographed card. Oh, damn. And we'll see how many packs it takes. What do you think? So is it, it's, like, uh, it's like golf where the low score wins? Yeah. What does yeah, the winner let's... get, Adam? I haven't decided. Maybe it'll come to us as we open. Okay. All right. I'm cracking into this. ASMR community, you're welcome. Oh, my first pack, I've got a schizoid man. Hmm. Got a very fun data face on that one. New ground. Got a couple in-profile Klingons. I have one for the game in my pack, which is real good. It's uh, <laughs> it's Wesley uh, on the field of the... Uh, what's the What is the game officially called? Uh, suck Disc. Suck Disc, right. He's on the Suck Disc field running from silhouetted attackers. Well, no signed ones in my pack. Ooh, and I have one for Up the Long Ladder, the Notorious Space Irish episode. Is there a ladder on that card? Mm, kind of. There's a lot of pigs. You're really opening that thing up right on the microphone, aren't you? Oh, I got an Angel One. Yeah. With a with a deeply V'd Commander Riker. I could have sworn I had an Angel One in the Series One box. Well, I've got a cost of living here, Adam. <laughs> it is uh, the loaf part of Alexander and his eyes barely peeking over a tabletop. You'd think that Alexander would be such a minor character, he wouldn't even make the cards. But... Alright, I'm going into package three. I got one! Oh, are you on three or two? I'm on three. Oh! Oh! I got one as well. Yes! Package three. Yes. This is amazing. Yes. Uh, I have 
Gina Rivera as Ensign Tyler in Phantasms. <laughs> uh, my card has been personally signed by Tracy Coco, who played, of course, Lieutenant J. In I don't know what. <laughs> it doesn't say on on the back. <laughs> it what doesn't episode? say. Nope. Wow. Uh, we haven't seen Phantasms yet. It is a seventh season episode. So we have we have yet to meet Gina mm. and Ensign Tyler. Uh, one of the rare times that we have a signed card from an episode that we haven't seen. Yeah. I don't remember Lieutenant J either. She looks like a dustbuster jock. Yeah? But uh, mm, you can still smell the Sharpie on this card, Adam. Nice, fresh, signed card. That's fun. How did we tie? That's amazing. I never would have guessed that. Good stuff, Adam. Yeah, I like I like card gluttony as a game. Well, this uh, this episode is is an episode that we were recording during the Max Fun Drive, and I think it's only appropriate that we would have such a fun outcome. <laughs> yeah, good thing. We hate it when that card bit sucks. <laughs> All right, what do you say we get into the episode that we came here to record? What do you say we get into the next phase of the podcast, Ben? It's season five, episode 24, the next phase. This one starts with a Romulan vessel in distress. The entrepreneur is rushing to, to help them and... They, like, kind of beam right over, you know? Like, there's no negotiating this. They just, like, show up and they're like, hey, we're here to help. We're from the Federation Starship Enterprise. We received your distress call. The Romulans are like, would you like to play some chess? <laughs> and the entrepreneur is like, yes, we do. Yeah. They, so- they just rush headlong into this. I guess that's their brand, right? Like, they, and they proved it in the, in the I Borgs episode. They'll rescue just about anyone, won't they? <laughs> they are. They've, uh, they've got a taste for it now, Adam. Yeah. They've got a taste for rescue blood. The, uh, the Romulan ship is real, is real beat up. It's all smoky in there, and they beam over unarmed. They uh, don't want to spook the Romulans, so they, they take their dustbusters off of their hips and uh, plug them into the wall chargers before they leave the entrepreneur. And they get over there and... Uh, there's just a just a gaggle of bread boxes walking around. There's fires. There's some of them that have green goo coming out of their loaf because they're dead. Hmm. I guess the the captain of the Romulans ship is has bought the farm, and uh, the science officer introduces himself as the as the man in charge. This show does a great job with these destructed ship scenes these mm-hmm. interiors yeah there's girders strewn all about yeah it's a scary place yeah yeah stuff is sparking and popping lots of good colors lots of good you know like really nice shot compositions in this because they they do a great job of putting the subjects in between uh, background and foreground. There's always like something wrecked in the foreground and something interesting in the background. Yeah, uh, it's it's really well blocked so that there's there's always uh, a lot of depth in the shot composition. 
There's a really interesting tension in this scene because the Romulans always look at you like there's something wrong with you, even <laughs> when they're the ones that need some help. Yeah. Like, their their posture and their way of speaking is always like an, an implied, what the fuck are you looking at <laughs> kind of thing. Your message said you had suffered a failure in your engine core. You talking to me? Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And when when Riker beams on board with this away team, they're they're like they're totally copping to the humanitarian aspect of why they're there. They're like, We mean you no harm, we're here to help. And the carriage that the Romulans have is is really like it is it is not a we want help sort of attitude. No, it's like a we are not panicking. Yeah. We are walking around the same way we would be if we were standing in the capital city on Romulus. Yeah. We're just we're just chill, cool customers and we are fixing our ship before it blows up. <laughs> yeah, their attitude is just uh icy cold. Yeah. I think that the I don't know who directed this episode, but I think that this episode just has really fun filmmaking throughout. So, uh watch for that as I call it out over the course of this episode. We'll never know who directed this episode. No. So the deal is the the engine core of this of this ship is in bad shape and there's also like some device I guess it's like the I don't know, some giga that needs to be fixed that uh helps. The MacGuffin stabi- device? Yeah, that helps stabilize the engine core. And so uh Jordy's like, I need somebody that can help me carry this heavy ass thing and he looks from Riker to Worf to Rote. <laughs> And he's like, hey, Ro, you want, you want to help me with this thing? <laughs> like, the, the, like the second and third strongest people that come from the ship because uh, Data isn't there. <laughs> he, uh, he passes them up so that Ro can help him schlep this thing back to the ship. And uh, they, they go over to, like, the spot in the Romulan ship where they beamed in, and they radio back to the entrepreneur. The Force of Brosser, two people and one piece of equipment to beam aboard. And uh, high school librarian. Aye, sir. Transporter chief is uh, manning, manning the transporter bay. And she's like, all right, well, I uh, got your signal, and I'm going to, you know, turn this knob and throw this switch, and here we go. I'm, I'm just going to pull your ID out of the card catalog here, uh, <laughs> put it into the transport computer. Just, just give me two minutes. Yeah. We haven't changed this system in the 45 years that I've worked here. <laughs> Rosmer to Commander Riker. I'm losing them. I have to abort. They should be returning to your coordinates, sir. Chief, do you have them? They're not here. No, sir. Where are they? I can't locate their patterns. We've lost them, sir. God, what a what a bad time for O'Brien to be kayaking. You know, <laughs> like like during a a mission with the Romulans, you'd think you'd want your best guy in the transporter room. Right, um, and uh, and he is nowhere to be found in this episode, despite the fact that the transporter is so heavily featured. I mean, anytime you have a Chief Petty Officer Brosmer around, uh, you gotta include her in an episode. Yeah, this is another one of these kind of. There's there's three 
kind of middle-aged women in this episode that just stood out to me. <laughs> like, there's just a bunch of soccer moms all over this episode. Hey, dude, why don't, why don't you button that up a little bit? I think, I think soccer moms can do anything anyone else can do on a Federation starship. I'm not diminishing their contribution. I'm just saying, like, um, for all of the, like, diversity in casting that we get, this, one, this episode, for some reason, decided on three extras being soccer mom types. <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, I think a casting director just went out to, uh, to like, a youth basketball camp. Yeah. Like, like trolling for, for people. They were uh, kicking the tires of all the previews in the parking lot. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the, the helmsman in this episode is a kind of a soccer mom. The uh, transporter chief is kind of a soccer mom. And then I feel like there's a third one. I can't. Brosmer's like, now, now kids, when you get back from that Romulan ship, I got these orange wedges for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, it's a, it's a fun one. Well, they don't materialize on the pad and uh, the transporter chief, uh, gets Riker on the phone. She's like, hey, did they uh, they wind up back there? And he's like, no. Where are they? And she's like, they're gone. It's, uh, definitely not the way you want to start a, a, a work day with uh, two of your senior officers buying the farm. And, I mean, to their credit, everyone keeps it professional. They hardly pause at all before triaging, continuing to triage the situation. Right. I mean, it's like that time that Steve Zahn got caught in the uh, forward bilge or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. he's, trying to, he's trying to fix the leak. What the fuck are we doing here? But they got to seal off that bulkhead. Bilge bay caught. I say again, seal at bay. Right. And when that wrench flies off and he gets faced... Yeah, that piece of pipe. It's over for him. Right. There's no. There's no running in to rescue him. It's like it's. It's just, the risk is just too high, and the the clock is still ticking on the uh, on the warp core on the Romulan ship. They've got to. They've got to get that thing out of there. And they're like, okay, great idea here. Uh, ejector system. And they're like, too bad. It's offline. Actually, you know how warp core ejector systems be. <laughs> <laughs> they, everyone just sort of looks at each other knowingly like yeah. yeah geez everybody rolls their eyes warp cores be crazy yeah it's like it's it's like going to another country and expecting a totally different experience in their post office and then you try the post office and it's like yeah it totally like what is it about post office that, that they're just always a line what is going on <laughs> oh we're more alike than different yeah <laughs> Yeah, so the manual ejection process for a warp core is a lot like putting down a landing gear that doesn't go down mm-hmm. automatically. Like, there's a there's sort of a lever actuator system. Mm-hmm. And Worf and this random Romulan clear off some broken glass from a panel, open it up, and then flip these switches. They get the thing released, but then they're like... Oh fuck! That thing is gonna launch out of here, and the doors that are in between us and the launch are open. Yeah. We must get the doors closed. I've seen Worf have struggles opening doors. I've never seen him struggle so much to close a door. Yeah. Yeah. In both uh, entrance and egress, 
he's stymied completely. And so they beam over the one man who has no problems with doors at all. They actually shuttle over because they, they don't trust the transporters anymore. Um, but the the shuttle arrives and Data and some more engineers are on it. And Data is like, step aside, Worf. I've got this. Data's always there for Worf. They're flinging debris out of the way. And did you notice Riker does not lift with his legs at all? Yeah. He totally lifts with his back. Yeah, on, OSHA, OSHA is going to come down really hard on him. Like, that's not setting a good example for the workers. Yeah, not great. <laughs> um, did you notice that Mirok uh, in this episode, the, uh, the like, lead Romulan guy is one of those that guys? What is he a that guy from? He's in, like, No Country for Old Men. Ooh. Like, uh, I think he's in Catch Me If You Can. What's his name? Thomas Kopachi. Who is he in No Country? That's one of my favorite movies. I think he's like one of the uh, one of the cop guys. Is he the idiot sheriff's deputy? No. Okay. That was a younger guy. Yeah. Uh, huh. I'll look out for him. Yeah. Um, well, they uh, they managed to get this warp core pooped out of the Romulan ship and they get the entrepreneur's shields extended around Enterprise, extend shields. just in time for it to explode it saves everybody's gourd in the you know in saving the day they have like a moment of pause to think about the fact that Roe and Jordi are gonzo yeah it's an interesting uh, example of grief procrastination, isn't it? Yeah. Like, choosing the duty first. <laughs> like, professional-grade procrastination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's, like, around this point that Picard decides he's going to go down to Six Bay and see what's up. I've been Six Bay. Aye, sir. And he's, like, in the hallway, and he walks past the passed-out body of Vincent Rowe. Like, she's not even there. And she gets up, and... She's, like, walking around the ship, like, what the fuck is going on? She walks into Six Bay. They're, like, working on on somebody's, like, she's, like, hey, I just passed out in the corridor. I don't even remember how I got there. Can somebody help me? And uh, and they just, like, don't even look up. They don't, they're not helping her at all. Yeah. I love, I love the music in this scene. It's, like, it's almost got, like, a Spielberg-y feel to it where yeah. it's, like, it's that that music that kind of you you know when you hear it that something kind of supernatural is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's being real impolite to Ro. <laughs> just like, oh, this is what it feels like. Yeah, normally she's the one that's impolite. Her hair has totally changed from the last episode too. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to figure it out with her. Trying to dial in that Ro hair. Yeah. Well. It is not long after she gets uh, gets to Six Bay that she walks into the doctor's office and catches the tail end of a conversation between Picard and the doctor. We never rematerialized. We should check again. There might be something that we Probably we've done everything that we can. Where Picard is telling her, like, yeah, write up death certificates for Jordy and Roe. They dead. There's, how do you think these characters address their grief in that moment? I mean, the captain is like, 
always super detached when it comes to feelings. Like yeah. The, we, we get him emoting around the crew very seldomly, so... This... Yeah, but for Beverly to say, like, boy, the, the job I like the least is writing death certificates about a foundational character like Jordy yeah. felt super cold to me. Like, It is cold, but then, like, let's think about, like, the Doctor and Jordy. Like, what times have they had, like, super yeah. meaningful interactions? Yeah, they might be the two senior staff that have the fewest i mean every time they interact it's because jordy's having a problem with his glasses right and she's like i'm not an optometrist i'm a fucking internist like get out of here <laughs> go to a drugstore <laughs> those guys those guys get like twice as much money for half as much school as we do yeah. fuck them <laughs> anyway i just yeah it would have like i understand picard's reason for not emoting here but it would have it would have been more satisfying to to have some true emotion at any point about the deaths of these two crewmen. Yeah. Well, maybe he was like, "God, Rode just started putting on that headband. I just don't <laughs> even feel it that much anymore." Good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Ever since the haircut, she's just not as attractive to me anymore. Captain, I'm right here. He's a real shithead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her haircut, by the way. Because, that's because I love Ro. Mm. Yeah, in in your eyes, Ro can do no wrong. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's the third '90s mom. It's in uh, Six Bay. One of oh, the yeah? uh, one of the other one of the doctors that uh, that Ro can't get to uh, pay any attention to her is a uh, is a total '90s soccer mom. Like her duty in Sick Bay is only skinned knees. <laughs> yeah. She's the person they call in if they need somebody to dab a napkin against their tongue and then get some <laughs> dirt off of somebody's cheek. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so Ro is kind of like exploring the ship and eventually finds herself in engineering and this is also a great scene. Jordy has just like a perfect take in this in this scene where he's like still kind of putting it together that that nobody can see him. Like he's like holding his hand up in front of his face or something. It's like it's great. The forge? Bro. What do you think we didn't see off camera from Jordy before that moment in testing whether people could see him? <laughs> he's like he's like zip <laughs> can you see this <laughs> hello 12 inch python over here anybody anybody yeah boy if, if you're gonna have someone be invisible probably don't want that person to be creepy Jordy. this is i think around when they realize they can kind of pass through walls and they like can't pick things up right yeah yeah, I mean, uh, Ro has this moment in Six Bay when she overhears Picard and Beverly talk. Like, she runs her hand through the laptop on Beverly's desk. Right, and then, like, somebody, like, walks right through her. Yeah, Picard walks through her. Yeah. It's got to be a real surprise, right? I wonder what that feels like. Yeah. Like, do you think Do you think you see inside him for a second? I bet you do. Yeah. I mean, it'd be real dark. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But... Jordy could. 
I promised the people some rock-solid headcanon on this situation, Adam, right? Because it doesn't make any sense that they can pass through walls, people, objects, but not the floors, right? I am so ready for some rock-hard headcanon. My my headcanon is just like a halfy at this point. Okay. What do we know about the floors on spaceships, Adam? They got gravitational deck plating. There's yeah. some kind of gravity thing in the in the floor plating that must interact with chroniton particles in a different way from other solid objects. Mm. There's some kind of artificial gravity generator on the floor that can't pass through that. Oh, oh, that's some that's some hard cannon. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you uh, bask in your refractory period for a second. <laughs> that. That might be the nerdiest thing that's ever been said on this show. <laughs> but it totally works for me. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Ghost Dad when he like walks in the front door and plunges through the through the carpet in the foyer. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense at all. The problem that I have with that theory is a little later on when Roe is on the bridge, she touches her old station and she doesn't go through it. She touches her chair and she touches the steering wheel to the ship. Well, who knows where they're putting that gravitational stuff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the <laughs> seats have gravity too. Maybe that's why they don't have seat belts. It's because oh. the seats have their own gravity. The like, gravity turns up a little bit when they're shaking around? Dang. How about, how about that great big hard cannon, Ben? That's a... <laughs> I got some cannon of my own. Seriously? What? I just heard you get hard. That's a big mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a a lot to suppress my gag reflex on that headcanon. (laughs) I just practice with a toothbrush. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So Roe and Jordy have kind of a difference of opinion about what the situation is here, because Roe, the spiritual Bajoran, is like, we dead. (laughs) And Jordy is like, there's got to be a better explanation for this. And uh, and he like goes over to the uh, transporter bay, and Data's in there having a chat with the uh, with the high school librarian, and they're kind of going back and forth over like the kind of anomalous readings, and Jordy is is there kind of putting the pieces together uh, in the in the room while they can't hear or see him. If the particles were produced on the Romulan ship. Why are you detecting them here? The transporter beam. I suspect they travel through the transporter beam. And what they're coming up with is that they're like out of phase because there's some weird shit happening on the Romulan ship that, surprise, surprise, the Romulans are not being super forthcoming about. Yeah, so weird. <laughs> so he like, I guess Data is going gonna, is gonna take to take a prev back to the Romulan ship to continue helping with the engine rebuild and there's sort of a fun amount of tailgating involved that Roe and Jordy are doing like to get around like Mm -hmm. to get to the Romulan ship they've got to like walk very closely behind Worf to get on a shuttle yeah to get in and out of doors they they start doing that but they can also go through walls Right. I think that I think that they're the going in and out of doors thing is before they realize the wall thing but yeah, at a certain point, they're just, like, totally used to just walking around the ship. Yeah. 
and going right through walls whenever they feel like it. But um, yeah, yeah. So they um, they get they go back to the Romulan ship, and there's like a great piece of blocking here where, mm-hmm. where they they do like a dolly shot as uh, as Data walks around the ship, and into frame comes this totally grim looking Romulan who's just sitting there in a chair, not helping anybody. And it's like, it's, it's like almost comedic how, how grim and evil he looks. Cause you're like, why the fuck isn't this asshole helping? Like, <laughs> and then, uh, it becomes clear that he is like Jordy and Roe. He's a little lurchy. I thought he's like Romulan lurch. Yeah. A little Romulan hum. Yeah. He's got just a, Great big face. Ramyaham? <laughs> sure, Ben. Yeah. We'll let you use that name throughout. Sure. Uh, well, thank you. I look forward to using Ramyaham more often. <laughs> no one is going to use that, Ben. Watch, Adam. People use Ramyarlin all the time. They do. They do. That's because that name was better. I saw somebody tweeting today that their toddler was in, got sent to his room because he got in trouble and was just yelling drunk Shimoda through the door. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. What's a toddler doing listening to our show? <laughs> I cannot endorse that. I mean, uh. I think it's great that a toddler is yelling drunk Shimoda, uh, but <laughs> we swear on this show. Yeah. We, we talk about, we talking about, we're talking about rock hard head cannon. On this show. Mm. That's a birds and the bees thing that you're going to want to wait a little while to explain to a, a ute. Mom, what's rock hard headcanon? <laughs> what's well, the polar region, Mom? <laughs> it's when a Star Trek podcast uh, <laughs> and, and a piece of inferred information love each other very much. <laughs> and they decide to make a theory about how something happens. And then the theory makes a little bit of a mess on the chin of the Star Trek podcast. Gross. <laughs> my, my love is a creep of longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. The Romulans are not being forthcoming with the Starfleet officers that are helping them, but they're also devising an evil plan to fuck them over when they leave. The entrepreneur is going to they're, they're going to, like, connect some jumper cables to power up their newly rebuilt engine. And the Romulans have some way of, like, sending a feedback signal along that jumper cable to build up some situation in the entrepreneur's warp core where once they warp out of there, it'll cause the engine to go critical and make the Enterprise explode. Yeah, it's just a real bum deal for the Enterprise. Because they won't know it's coming either. Right. It, it'll just be like a, uh, it'll be like a mine, like a landmine in their engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, um, and, and like Jordy and Roe have this horrible situation of knowing about this, but not being able to warn anybody because while they are in the same place at the same time, they're out of phase. So they're like, they're in this they they keep having these scenes where two people are having a conversation that gets close to realizing what's going on, but they kind of miss it. And Jordy will be like, no, put it together. Duh! 
Yeah, it's very frustrating. The uh, Ramyaham has has uh, has uh, stowed away on one of the previous and come back to the entrepreneur, and now he's kind of like stalking around the ship uh, in this super creepy way. And as uh, fun as it was to watch Jordy and Roe walk around unregarded, it is a real head fuck to watch Ramham walk around and and have no one notice his giant shoulder pads. Yeah. Is it like the first time that we've had a Romulan on board the ship? No, we had uh, we had Breadbox Defector. Oh, right. a couple yeah. seasons ago. But they do feel like um, they're not supposed to be there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of out of phase, he definitely <laughs> looks like he doesn't belong. So uh, he, I think, what are they like up on the bridge? Maybe. Yeah, they're up on the bridge and. Romulan Lurch has hitched a ride on a turbo lift there, pops out, and he's got a Romulan dustbuster. This disruptor works. I was wearing it when I was changed. It's like the Dyson model where it, uh, it's just really high power. And uh, he's getting ready to round up Roe and Geordi. And I think he's just trying to stop them from phasing back in so that they can warn the entrepreneur. Like he is ready to die to preserve the secret that was being uh, that's being concealed on the Romulan ship. Yeah, that seems to be his angle. If, if it ever got out that the Romulans were developing this technology, I think it would be some real serious shit for everyone involved. Yeah. So he starts, he, uh, he takes Roe hostage, and he's, they're like heading back to engineering to find Geordi so that he can make sure that he stops them from fixing the situation so meanwhile data is down in engineering and they've discovered that every surface that dirty and row walk through uh, has this like detectable chroniton situation in it and so data's really like concerned about this being a problem if they go to warp so he's trying to eradicate all the all the uh, contamination and there's this great scene where they're just at the engineering console and in engineering and Jordy keeps like pushing his hand through the through the table and Data keeps like kind of whack a moling <laughs> the different spots that Jordy's hand was. Data, stop being so rational. Try using your imagination once in a while. It's like Jordy keeps walking where Data just mopped the floor. So <laughs> Data's like going back over the same spots. These aren't just random patterns. It's me. Hey, don't walk there. I just mocked. I think that it's, the, it's at this point that Jordy figures out that the anion particles that Data is using to clear up the contamination might be able to play a role in bringing him back into phase. Yeah, because his, his hand gets touched by, by the scanner, and then it becomes harder for him to push through the table. Yeah, so unfortunately, Data doesn't completely... Uh, work out what's happening at this point but i think that it's given jordy a pretty good idea of what's up so um we cut back to <laughs> ro and the and uh and ramuham walking around in the hallway and and he's got the the gun in her back and she's like oh like they're right in here and she walks through a door and uh you know like like through through it <laughs> so he can't see her on the other side and she just like steps to one side and uh 
lays some some classic Star Trek beat em ups on him. And initiates like a real old school style backyard to backyard police chase on yeah. foot. Like she's jumping over jumping over picket fences, saying hi to bikini babes who are out sunbathing. Hi, how you doing? Ferris Bueller. This like, is so much fun. Like yeah. going from condo to condo. Yeah. Great dolly shot where it starts at the front of the house and she runs in and says like, oh, dinner smells great. Runs uh-huh. through, through to the backyard and says, dinner's ready. Yeah. <laughs> Jumps over the next fence. Uh, <laughs> Lurch pokes his head through a doggy door. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should shoot her. Yeah, and like he starts he starts opening up and, and uh, he winds up hitting her in the leg with his disruptor. Um, and this clues the ship into the fact that the chronoton fields that they're trying to eliminate are getting worse. Like, this disruptor seems to be having a big effect on the situation. So, uh, Jordy, uh, you know, tags along with Data to respond to this situation and finds uh, Ramuham, like, on top of Ro, beating her up. And Jordy runs over and... So gives him a shove, and he like goes right through the exterior wall, uh, through the hull, and out into space. He alien is, queens him. Yeah, man, this is like the scariest death. Yeah, they never they never do this death on Star Trek. It's yeah. so scary. You the know? exposed to space death. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like and he's one- just sort of uh, pirouetting around out there. Yeah, like you you really never ever get it, um, and. I think it's terrifying, you know? Yeah. God, that's got to be so shocking for Lurch, too. Like, one minute you're doing beat-em-ups, the next you're very cold. Mm-hmm. Man. When uh, when I was a kid, I was probably in, like, first or second grade, and they showed the second Superman movie. I know I- space isn't cold, by the way. Please don't write in. <laughs> They showed the second Superman movie at my school, like a, like you know after school daycare or something, uh-huh. and that scene where the uh, they like rip the maybe it's the first movie where, where they like rip the there's like a moonwalking astronaut and they rip <clears throat> the patch off the front of his suit. Yeah, that gave me nightmares, man. There was a time when science fiction was fairly obsessed with that concept mm-hmm. as a form of death. I think so, and. I feel like because of that, I don't really have a great sense of what actually happens, you know? Like, I, I feel like my childhood was filled with kids coming up to me and going, like, if you if you go out in space without a spacesuit, your blood boils instantly and your eyes pop out. Yeah. You know, but then, like, you'd get a conflicting visualization of that in three different movies. So I don't know what actually happens. Yeah, I don't know either. I wonder if it's ever been tested. I wonder if the Russians ever, like, pushed a chimp out of an airlock. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt that someone's done it, unfortunately. Yeah. I think you've got to know, right? you got to know what the stakes are when you're out there. Yeah. Well, it's a scary, scary death, and uh, the... um the day but they is... got his gun, which is which is a significant point. Like they shove him out the door, but they wrestled his gun away from him first. Mm-hmm. So like this is reassuring, but the, the day remains unsaved because the 
the entrepreneur is poised to explode when the when they uh, go to warp, and they're back up on the bridge, and Captain Picard is on FaceTime with the uh, Romulan, the head of the Romulan ship, and he's like, "Hey, like that was great. We helped you guys put your your little ship back together. Uh, you guys can head home now, and uh, I hope that this example of cooperation." can uh, serve to engender peace between our peoples. Like Picard is so fucking unendingly optimistic about that idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's never going to sign, he's never going to completely abandon hope of that. And uh, I love that about him. He's like, he's like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be treating the Romulans as an enemy. We should try to improve our relations with them. I guess if there's ever going to be peace, you need a guy like that without the cynicism. Mm-hmm. But he has been fucked over so many times by the Romulans that you would think, <laughs> you would think that he'd be, you know, checking the Romulan sleeves for aces. You know, he is the Charlie Brown to the Romulan Lucy. Yeah, no might kidding. as well have a yellow shirt. Peace is the football. Uh-huh. So they're like, all right, well, let's warp out of here. And uh, high school librarian's like, sir, I don't think we should until we do this chronoton purge because uh, Data's really worried about that situation. So why She's like, do- I got to check all these books back in. <laughs> They've been really backing up since this, inve- since this investigation started. Look at this pile. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have 17 newspapers to put on those weird sticks. <laughs> How did they get him on those sticks? It's a mystery. We'll never know. I like this. She, she really like big dogs Picard in a way. She's like, not so fast, buddy. We got some work to do before we head to the next thing. He's halfway through the word engage. He's done the hand thing. Like he's <laughs> like the key has been turned. His hands are on the wheel. Like he's ready to step on the gas. And she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, uh, instead of instead of warping off, then I guess I'll go to Jordy and Rose memorial service that Data has been organizing. And uh, and so Jordy and Rose tag along, and they get uh, their their idea is that they need to get the Anion sweep that they're doing to happen in a place where a lot of people are because they're gonna they're going to become visible, but only for a second. Like they need the anions a lot more powerful than they would be. uh, They would normally be using them. So they're hoping to like have people see that there are, they're there before they go to warp and the party starts and Jordy is thrilled about the, the way their memorial service has been set up. And Roe is horrified. (laughs) They think we're dead and they're having a party? <laughs> yeah. And I don't blame her, right? Like, this is definitely a party in Jordy's honor and also Roe to a far lesser degree. Yeah, it, it's it's really insulting, I think. It's for, totally like for Roe. She's, she's getting, like, third billing on a two-act show. <laughs> uh, they've got brass instruments and balloons, and and everyone is, like, in a real celebratory... Everyone's drinking cocoa no-nos. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, I don't think Roe was looking for, like, a super traditional Bajoran thing because 
when Data floated the idea of the death chant to Worf earlier, she was like, no, don't do that. But, I think uh, this is why funerals shouldn't be a, a package deal. Like, mm. I, think, I think individual funerals is probably a good standard to have. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty apt. But, you know, equally insulting maybe would be them going to Jordy's funeral and having there be a ton of people there and then going to Rose and having it be like Riker there because he feels a little guilty about the situation. Yeah. Yeah, Riker's the only one doing the three hours of Bajoran chants that I guess are, <laughs> are part of the Bajoran funeral. Yeah, and he's like checking his watch the entire time. <laughs> the Bajoran chant is like... Uh, it's like a bunch of words on screen and the bouncing dot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wor- world's worst karaoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Riker's got one of those like squared off microphones so it doesn't roll off the bar. <laughs> yeah, there's that huge, totally disused binder in the corner with all yeah. the like laminated pages with the fucking journey songs that you can yeah. do afterwards. Yeah. You don't request the Bajoran chant at karaoke. No. That's for sure. That's how you <laughs> clear gonna, a place out. Not going to ingratiate you to the crowd. No. Um, That's a real vanity pick right there. Yeah, it's like, really, dude? <laughs> Rapper's delight? It's fucking 14 minutes. Uh, God, I hate that guy. Or girl. Never pick Rapper's delight. Like, it's impressive if you actually know the words, but only... In, like, a theoretical sense. We don't actually want to see proof. It's like someone choosing Come On Eileen. <laughs> Which is terribly difficult, but everyone thinks it's easy. Yeah. It's a way to put your put your foot in it at karaoke. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Yeah. A uh, big pop-up by uh, Notorious B.I.G. Have we already gone over this on the pod? That, that, that seems like a familiar I don't think so. question I've asked. I don't know if we've gone over it. Maybe people can write into uh, Jordan Jesse Go and, and uh, let let them know whether we've talked about that or not. Huh. So they uh, they get to this party. They start like using the uh, the Romulan dustbuster very liberally, just blasting it around at everything. Um. And like, uh, I guess like Data is at the party, but but the. Uh, the high school librarian is up on the bridge running the rest of the Anion sweep and she keeps radioing down to Data and going like, hey, like, the Chronoton situation keeps getting worse and worse down there. What do you want me to do? And uh, he says, like, well, why don't you turn it up to 11? And they do. And that's uh, enough to get Roe and Jordy to appear briefly in front of Picard and Data. But it's, it's great because Picard is like, um... Did you see that, Mr. Data? And Data's like, I did! And that's like as much verification as you need to know that ghosts exist. These were not ghosts. What did we see? You need a second person. But not just a second person. A second person with a totally different sensory apparatus, you know? Yeah, who is ideally a machine. And this is the <laughs> ghost problem from the start, right? Yeah. Yeah, you you've got like you've got very credulous people with, you know, that are like looking for they have like the worst confirmation bias of all time. So, they're not really scrutinizing the conclusions that they're arriving at. 
this moment is like Jordy and Roe punching through the, the top of their own caskets, like yeah. at, at their funeral. And the reaction is more wonder instead of horror. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's interesting how the reaction is universally joyful at yeah. that moment instead of horrified. It's pretty wild. Like they, they're like, all right, well, eleven didn't didn't get them all the way back, so crank it up to eleven hundred. Yeah, and like Jordy and Roe like go through some pain, but they wind up they wind up on the floor and they're like back, and they like get up and they're like, hey, great party, <laughs> let's keep let's keep the good times rolling, laissez les bon temps, etc. I think the best the best reaction is obviously Riker like dropping the the tuba away from or the uh, trombone away from his mouth, <laughs> like jaw hits floor, trombone comes away from mouth. Yeah, yeah. There was a sort of running through line of this episode of Riker wanting to speak at her funeral and Roe wanting to know what he was going to say that yeah. never gets paid off. Yeah, yeah. Because because she's I think she's probably like you know. She probably thinks he's going to talk about dead ass. <laughs> but I think that, like, we probably all suspect that what he's going to say is, like, he completely hated her guts when she came on board and she totally proved him wrong. I think we were deprived of that scene here because I think it really does a lot for Riker's character for him to maybe admit that he loved her after yeah. hating her. Yeah. How significant of a moment would that have been for his character going forward? I think it would have been massive. And then for cool. Roe to know that after being at her own funeral, like it would have introduced some great tension for the rest of the series. Yeah. And yeah. I feel bad that we don't, we never get that scene, especially after teasing it so much. Mm hmm. Ben. There is a floating, invisible Romulan out in space that I think probably bounced off of the inside of the shields and maybe bounced back into the ship. Do you think that, like, forever there is a floating, invisible Romulan just... Sticking up the joint? Just on or around the ship for all time? I don't know. Do the shields are the shields a, uh, a two way situation like or is it like a is it like that mirror that they have in an interrogation room where that you only can goes look one through way. it from one side but you can't from the other? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like it, you know, things bounce off the shields from outside, but it, I would guess that you also bounce from inside as well. Hmm. Were the shields up when he went out the out the window? And I guess if you can go through walls, can't you go through shields? Yeah. I think you well, probably so, could. So they've got the deflector array, which I've always assumed was to, like, prevent little, like, micrometeoroids from going through the ship when they're warping around. Yeah, that to me always seemed like the the, uh, the spaceship equivalent of a locomotive's cow catcher. Right. But does that, like, is that like a shield that's enveloping the ship at all times or or what how's that I go i don't know that might be a head cannon mountain we cannot summit <laughs> we better set up base camp here ben well the episode ends with Jordy and roe having um having the kind of 
the final leftovers of the party. Like the party has uh, has dissipated, and they're the last two people there. Jordy is totally pigging out. No surprise that one of the leftovers are those like long breadsticks they give you at wineries that no one likes. Yeah, those are gross. I hate those things. Why are well, they everywhere? They must be just like the cheapest thing in the world. Yeah, like super long shelf life. Even if they're stale, they taste exactly the same. Right, like the, the like indistinguishable between the stale and the fresh version of that. That is the worst bread product there is, isn't there? I can't think of a worse one. That said, like still pretty good because bread is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Are you going to Oprah me right now? Well, I'm just saying, you know, like bread as a as an institution is one that I have uh, strong feelings for. So, also bread the band, <laughs> I have strong feelings for. They end with Jordy saying that this phase device has taught Ro Laren a little humility, and then they have the craziest Doctor Evil laugh at this non-joke. <laughs> They really credit scene from Chips, the end of this episode, where it's like shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot of them, uh, them growing their laughter together. It's crazy. Like, and it's like, it's very well performed. Like they have kind of infectious laughter, both of them. Yeah. But there's not a joke. It's like, it's so wild. There are really a lot of degrees to... Michelle Forbes's laugh here and and LeVar Burton's laugh here too that made me think I don't have that many degrees <laughs> I am zero or laugh and they they have like six gears to work yeah through. that's what makes it's, you a great actor I guess yeah they really get up to 85 in a uh, in a shifty way yeah well it's not not a great end but uh, in my opinion a great episode yeah I think we already know that you really like this episode, Ben. I I just think it's such a great Star Trekky problem. It's it's like it's a fun premise to see them work through. They you know, like the the Romulans are there doing their chess game and the Starfleet officers are all just being the best Starfleet officers they can, and Roel, Aaron, and Jordy like completely disagree on what's going on, but work together despite that. Like it's the most Star Trekky shit you could possibly imagine. Yeah, that's really true. You have Romulan conflict. You have people sciencing a solution to a problem. Yeah, it's it's pretty pure that way. And like it it erects this crazy sci-fi problem that allows you to get to two characters attending their own funeral. Yeah. And and that's like that, that's just such fun writing, you know. We only glossed over this earlier, but like the whole reason this happened was because the Romulans were developing a a form of cloaking device that allows their ships to hide out inside planets so they can't be attacked. Right. I liked the episode and I thought it was lowercase g great for all of the reasons that you stated. I think, God, season five is pretty loaded with good eps and yeah. shitty eps. And I think this is this is top tier, but not the tops. Hmm. All right. Well, 
I don't know how to resolve that, Adam. I'm not, I'm not going to talk it onto your mountain, but I just want to say that it is on mine. All right. Fair enough. Tarmok, Angelad, and Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org.
Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Were you able to reveal your drunk Shimoda using a bombardment of chronotone waves? <laughs> drunk Shimoda! Um, my Shimoda in this episode is Jordy. Um, do you know, like, those takes that Harrison Ford has in Star Wars when... Ever, whenever Han Solo is kind of like the dope in a scene, <laughs> uh, I just thought that that Jordy's scene in engineering when he's like stunned and confused was Harrison Ford levels of hilarious. I think I think this may be like one of the best episodes for Lavar Burton as an actor. Like he's been doing, yeah, well, he's been t- turning in super solid work across the board but this scene this this scene and this episode are great because he does so much emoting like he goes through yeah. so much as a character yeah and uh you know it's it's hard you can't see his eyes you can't get a lot off his face but somehow he he takes that he takes it over whatever invisible barrier there is toward understanding what he's experiencing yeah i agree he does a ton of heavy lifting in this episode. A lot of fun. Uh, did, and uh, that scene also happens in the Shimoda Memorial Corner, so hard for me to not call that out as the Shimoda moment for me. He really experiences the 12 steps of people thinking you're dead. <laughs> he goes through all of them. Yeah. How about yourself? Did you have a Shimoda? Yeah. There's a scene early on where... Uh, Riker and Worf are on the Romulan ship and it's clear that the Romulans are asking for help that Worf is not comfortable giving. Like, Mm. specifically they want a computer and Worf sidles up to Riker and he's like we're not going to give him a fucking computer are we? Like, that is a like, I may be the Federation's worst security chief but even I know we don't want (laughs) to give him that kind of technology and Riker's like, well I mean, I I was kind of going to do that. What do you propose? And Worf's like, why don't we get one of those piece of shit Dell computers that we have in deep storage that's like 40 years old, and we give that to them? Let's talk to high school librarian and (laughs) tell her to give us one of the computers that's still set up in the back there. Yeah. Like like a math blaster on it. The green screen (laughs) AS400 style computer that we have in the library. (laughs) And Riker's like, yeah, dude, that, uh, that'll, that'll be fine. And they both share that moment of like, oh, they, they are really going to like this. Like, <laughs> there's a conspiratorial aspect to that, that scene that was the most fun scene of the ep, I thought, was, was that little moment between them. Yeah. And like, you know, they're best friends. You don't see best friend hangs very often between them, especially in the context of a mission. But like... Riker appeases him in a way that they both find mutually hilarious. Yeah. I thought that was that was worthy of a Shimoda. It's also just real fun because they're on the Romulan ship for that. So they've got a kind of soda voce yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. What do we have coming up for the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season five, episode twenty five, The Inner Light. After a mysterious accident, Picard wakes up living the life of another person on a faraway planet. Do you remember this episode, Adam? This is the episode that 
proves that it takes a lifetime to achieve mastery at playing a woodwind instrument. (laughs) (laughs) If there's one lesson that you take from this episode, it's that. This is an episode that I was kind of tempted to save my veto for just because it would be so diabolical to veto this one. Yeah, it really would. That'd be hurtful. People love this fucking episode. Is that to say that you don't love it as much as everyone else? I don't know that I do. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, but it's not one of the ones that I think about when I think about my mountain. But, like, I remember when they announced that they were going to do an HD transfer of the series. This was, like, one of the four episodes that they released initially to just show like what they were capable of yeah they were like like we're gonna do like the pilot and like one other episode and then the best episode Hmm. like this one gets everybody's gold star i think one thing that that helps put it into that league of great episodes is that it's really a perfect bottle like you don't have to know anything about any of the characters to be satisfied watching this episode, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that sort of gives it an edge. It like on the on the curve of great episodes, I think it's it's universally loved in that way. Mhm. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying um it's it doesn't mean as much to me as maybe as it does to some other people but maybe maybe i'm misremembering it i don't know maybe i'll have a totally different experience this time yeah well ben it's the last episode that we're recording during the maximum fun pledge drive yeah and it might be a great time to just say uh say how grateful we are to everyone who has supported the show up until now and during the drive um totally it is uh I think we have skirted around saying this before, if not saying it directly, but this is, I think, one of my favorite things that I've ever done, is making this show and making it with you, Ben. And it's, uh, it's a really long project, and it's, it yeah. has been a long over a year to get to this point. And it is an amazing feeling to know that so many people love listening to the show, that people write in and tell us that it's gotten them through a tough day or a tough week or a tough year. Like, I I can't believe that we make something that is, that is so fun and yet also like legitimately important to a lot of people too. And I just want to thank everyone out there who listens to the show and uh, cares enough about, about the show to, uh, to fund it in some way through, through the drive. Yeah, Adam, that's, uh, (laughs) I'm getting a little teary just, I mean, like, the number of emails that we've gotten since we started this show from people who gave us heartfelt thanks for making it for a whole host of different reasons, you know, um, is, it, it makes us feel like this is more than just a silly thing we do once a week, it's a it's almost like a responsibility at this point and we do this for you guys so thank you so much just anybody that's given us any shred of support it means so much to us uh thank you and so with that our our two weeks of pledge drive 
is coming to an end. Um, there's still time. If you feel like this show has a value to you, uh, please consider contributing uh, to the drive. It supports us directly. It also supports uh, the idea of us continuing on. As we've said through the pledge breaks on these shows, uh, there's a number of really cool prizes and extras that pledge contributors get. And so uh, it's not for nothing. Yeah. Uh, so thanks everybody and uh, thanks to Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for a lot of other music that we've had on the show um, and with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that has a little tassel hanging off the end of it <laughs> a lot about like what if it wasn't the the little flute that the card had to learn how to play what if it was like some alien bagpipes <laughs> it changes the whole tone of the story doesn't it <laughs> yeah alien triangle yeah <laughs> Riker never wants to jam with the card either Picard has a lifetime experience playing an instrument. Riker's like, nah, nah, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to fire up my minuet program and lock the door. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.